we, we are looking, we're starting today, a, uh, a four-week sermon series on what we call the Nicene Creed. And, and some of you may not be at all familiar with this, and that's okay, we'll, we'll bring you up to date on what that means. Um, but we're going to be looking basically at what we believe as Christians. And so these next four weeks, I want you to ask yourself this question over and over again, what do I believe um, and secondary to that, how does that belief play out day in and day out in my life? What do I believe? And we saw some samples, um, maybe some stereotypes, if you will, on that video of different things people believe about God. And it's really helpful to me to see that applied on top of everyday situations. Yeah, I believe in wife, you know. I'm not a wife nut or anything. I'm actually nuts about my wife, but, but, but you, you get the picture. Or, or do you believe in boss? Well, you know, you can believe in a boss of your own creation maybe. And, and can you see that in our world today? Can you see that? And I tell you what, you know, I say can you see that out there, but really can you see that in here? I mean, do you see that in your own mind, intentional or not, um, this sort of life lived out that is questioning um, what you actually believe about God. That maybe you, you can say one thing and do something else, and you have to ask yourself the question, if I say I believe this, why do I not act on it? If I say I believe in wife, a wife that loves me, why would I not talk to her, for instance? And so we're going to look at, at that in terms of the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed, just a little bit of background, is a... Um, Ancient statement of faith written, um, you know, at various points in the third century. Uh, the whole church came together. The bishops came together, and they were they were deciding um, what do we believe? What does it mean to be a Christian? Because there are all sorts of variations and heresies, and and they had to have something. What what do we believe? And so they came up with the creed. And so we're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to look at this creed that um, is we say it. Occasionally, on a pretty regular basis here, many churches say it every week. Uh, if, you, if you go to service in the church building, we say the creed every week. We're going to look at this creed over the next four weeks, and we're going to talk about um, God the Father today, um, God the Son, Jesus Christ, next week, then God the Holy Spirit, and finally, um, what we call the one holy and apostolic church. And that one will be basically, what does it mean to be Christians? What does it mean to be the body of Christ right here and right now? So today we have, um, we have God the Father. Maybe we can get that up on the screen, Carrie. And so our creed opens um, like this. It's that first paragraph right there at the top. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty. And so what, what will we look at today? Well, we'll see, first of all, what does this mean? One God, the Father Almighty. What does that mean? And secondly, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. Because I guarantee you, most of y'all have said this before. You have said these words before. You have spoken them. And you have no idea what you're talking about. Not everybody, but many of you. And that's okay, because it's really kind of complicated. This isn't normal, sort of everyday, like, look at Jesus. God from God, light from light. What does that mean? We're going to find out. So uh, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. What is going on? One God. It's the very first thing the creed wants you to know. Okay, so it must be important. 
we believe in one God. What does this mean? Well, um, first of all, it means that when we read Scripture and we see um, God as we see him in the Old Testament, and then we see God um, as we see him in Jesus, and we see God the Holy Spirit, and all of these, all of these people are God, what does that mean? Well, well, we have to be very clear. We believe in one God. So somehow these three are also one. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. One God. Three persons. This is an incredible mystery, but one God. And this is um, it's so important in our faith that we are able to articulate that, that, that we don't believe in many gods. We believe in one God. Okay? So that's the first thing the creed wants you to think about. But let's start, let's start expanding this. What does that mean in our society, in our culture, to say that we believe in one God? Think about, if you will, um, ancient times, even before Jesus, the the Jews, the, the nation of Israel, they've been proclaiming this for, for thousands and thousands of years, that they believe in one God. And in that context, they were in a world in which every nation had its own deity, its own one true God. And so you had Israel, and they believed in God of the Bible, God that has revealed himself as Yahweh, is his name. And then you have um, Babylon, and they have their God, and his name is Marduk. And here's the deal, in those days... If Babylon comes and destroys Israel, that means Babylon's God is better and bigger and stronger and faster than Israel's God. Does that make sense? Marduk and Yahweh, if Babylon destroys Israel, Marduk is better. He's stronger. So in that context, if you're the nation of Israel, your land has just been taken from you, you have been Um, destroyed as a nation, you have been exported to another country, what is going to happen to your faith if you believe in many gods? Well, I tell you, I'd be done with Yahweh, and I'd go serve this other guy who's so much bigger and so much stronger. But they didn't, did they? Because they said, that cannot be true. And so they read their scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And they have to ask some pretty hard questions. Why would God allow this? Why is this happening? What's going on? These questions sound familiar? Are you asking them today? Those are complicated answers. They're hard answers. But, but you have to start from a place of faith. We believe in one God. There's no other gods that are bigger or stronger or faster. We believe in this one. Or consider, if you will... The earliest Christians, they lived in the days of um, Zeus and Hermes and Aphrodite. All of these um, Greek and then Roman gods and goddesses, and they all had temples everywhere. And, and the, the, the culture at the time believed that anything that happened on this earth was an accident um, because of whatever the gods were doing in their godly world. Okay, And so they used these stories, these myths of the gods to explain creation, and in addition to that, they worshiped them, and each city had their own preferred God that they would go and worship. They would go to the temple, and they would have a, a pagan sacrifice and a pagan worship service, and that's, that's what happened. That was the social gathering, if you will. So what's going to happen now? You're a Christian, or you're a Jew even, but, but, but even more so, you're a Christian, and, and you're so used to living in this world 
and then you find Jesus, and then you're worshiping the one true God, and you're not going to the big party, pagan party over here, and you're instead worshiping God in church, what's going to happen? Well, you're not going to be cool anymore. You'll be outcast. At the very best, you will be on the, ex- on the outside of, of society. At the very best. Now, what are you going to do when the emperor demands that you worship him? And you don't. On your worst day, you're burned at the stake. Because you believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. Now how, how is this going to play out on Monday when you go back to work? What, what does this look like? Well, you see the lady who believes in boss. And um, she believes in, you know, her own boss. And, and you know, she has her own conceptions of what boss is like. And if you don't want to believe that, that's fine. But don't try to make me believe in your idea of boss. Don't try to make me believe in your idea of God. Because there's, you know, maybe there's one God out there, but there's certainly a bunch of different ways to get to him. Maybe he's just a supreme power or an energy in the universe. I don't know what it is. But that is, is often, and less so down here than in other places, but I'm telling you, it is often the case that there are many ways to God. There are many different gods, if you will, and they're all equally fine, and you just pick and choose. I want to ask you a question. What if that was your viewpoint? Okay, let's say you believed in that kind of God, okay? Just, just bear with me for a second. Take that belief, import it, and then travel back in time to 150 AD, and you're now um, Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna. And you have been arrested. And the authorities are telling you, okay, you have two choices what we would really love for you to do, Polycarp, your powerful man, we would love for you to worship the emperor. That's choice number one. Choice number two, Polycarp, if you continue to worship your one God that you, you say you believe, um, we're going to burn you at the stake. Those are your choices. Now, if you have this belief that there are many ways to God, that it doesn't really matter, that you can believe in your own God and somebody else can believe in their God, if I have that belief and somebody's threatening to burn me at the stake because I don't believe in their God, you can bet your life that I'm going to worship the emperor. Because it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. Polycarp didn't do that. Polycarp died praising God. And so, you know, maybe you're working through this, and I encourage that and keep working through it, but you can't sit, you can't stay on this idea that there are many ways to God, because if that's true, it just, it simply does not matter. There's no need to be here this morning. Eventually, you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide. Is there one God, the Father, the Almighty? Second thing we see in the creed. There's one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. And Genesis 1 and 2 drive home this point so clearly. Um, 
the first day, God created light. The second day, God creates and it was good. The third day, God creates and it was good. God is very clearly seen as the creator of all things. And so when you look, when you look outside, you see an amazing creation of God. Amazing. And so you see flowers and you see trees and you see the beach and you see the mountains. But you also see hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes. And so how do we reconcile these things? Because we, we say we believe in a loving God and we see these things that are really hard to handle and very difficult. And um, this is a complicated question. But we have to say that there's one God, and He has created all these things. Um, he doesn't create them evil. They choose to be evil, but, but God has created them. Or think, you know, it says things seen and things unseen. And so there's this whole spiritual world that we just simply do not have the eyes or the capacity to see and understand. And there's angels, and there's all the heavenly creatures that we see in Revelation. And there's also Satan, and somehow we have to say God created all of that. God doesn't create Satan evil. That's Satan's decision, not God's. But God created Satan. And so you have to know this. This is very, very good news. Because if God created them, then he has power over them. And they are subject to him. And one day, God in his glory and his majesty is the one creator God. One day, he will put these things, put his enemies as a footstool under his feet. And that is good news. And so when life gets you hard, when you experience the evil or the natural disaster, when, you, when those things attack you and they attack you hard and you know they do and they will, praise God that he is good and in charge and he's going to work this out somehow. It's the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all things seen and unseen. Oh, I totally forgot my first point. I got to go back to it because this has got a really bad joke in it. Um, <laughs> the other thing we want to say about God as creator is in Genesis 1-1. Um, I'll be very quick. It says, in the beginning, God created. It doesn't say anything like in beginning there was this dirt and God made it into an amazing world. It says, in the beginning, God created. And so, one thing we believe about our creator God is that he creates out of nothing. He creates out of nothing. Now, we as, as people, as men and women, we, can, we create all sorts of stuff, but we have to have a starting point. God creates out of nothing. And so, it leads me to my very bad joke about God and a scientist. And the scientist says, hey, God, we're getting pretty good. You know, we can do heart plants and stem cell trans transplants, and we were cloning things. I mean, we're getting pretty close. I think we should have a contest. So God looks at the scientist and he says, okay, boy, it's on. And um, God then says, but here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do this Adam style. This is going to be an Adam style creation contest. And scientist says, okay, let's go. And so scientist picks up some dirt and he starts to mold it and to get this amazing looking human. And God says, no, you got to get your own dirt, buddy. Yeah, see, thanks. It's ridiculous, but it does bring home the point of God who creates out of nothing. 
okay? This God who creates out of nothing has, like we just talked about, created everything. All of this out of nothing. Can you imagine? Can you believe this? And so he creates, and day one is good, and day two is good, and day three is good, and day four is good, and day five is good, and day six is very good. Day six. After day six, creation is very good. Why is that? Well, we just read about it because God created man and woman. He created humanity, man and woman. And how did he create them? And this is so important. This is so important. Verse 27, it's right there on the screen. I'm not making this up. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created man and woman in his own image. That is amazing. What does that mean? Does it mean we look like God? No, it doesn't mean that. But maybe, maybe we can think about it this way. Um, the Greek church especially, and many Roman churches... Um, they have images of saints or of God, and these images are used to help us worship God. They don't worship the images. That is a very popular misconception. They don't worship the images. They use the images to help us worship God. Or think about even here in our, in our own church, we have, a, we have a cross. As we're praising God and praying to Him and we're gazing on this cross, does it not lift us up into worship? We're not worshiping the cross, we're worshiping God. And here we have it in Scripture. This is what makes creation very good. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. In male and female, he created them. We are created in the image of God. Not that we look like God, but when people look at us, they see God. They see Jesus. The way he loves us. The way he cares for us, the way he nurtures us, the way he walks in the cool of the garden with us. That is the image they are supposed to see when they look at Christians, when they look at the church. So creation, we see, is very good. And we help, as men and women, we help Facilitate worship of the Creator God. But when we look around, whether it's um, in this room or outside these doors or deep at the bottom of our hearts, when we really look and investigate, we don't really like what we see, do we? Now, sure, we see, um, uh, you know, mankind is capable of some amazing things. You know, that scientist we talked about, yeah. What we can do with science is amazing, okay? What we can do with art and with creativity, that is amazing. That is a God-given gift that facilitates worship. It helps us understand God better. What we can do, you know, the Olympics, what we can do athletically is amazing. But deep down in our hearts, or not really so deep down in the newspaper or in the news on Sunday night, we don't like what we see. Murder, abuse, neglect. But think about the things that, that are on your hearts, the things that only you know about. Okay? Is that the image of God? 
And so think about it this way. If God could see us, not God, God can't see us. If the world could see us as we truly are, as we know ourselves to be, if they could see the deep, dark secrets in the bottom of our hearts, if they could see that and they looked at that and said, that's the image of God, what kind of God would they be worshiping? What kind of God would they be worshiping? Is that what the world's going to see? Why is that? You know, we try, we really... We want to do well. We don't want to mess up. And we are, again, capable of great, amazing feats of courage and heroism. And at the same time, we can be incredibly cowardly and selfish. Um, why is that? And if we read on to Genesis 3, um, go home and do that. It's, it's a very important chapter in our Bibles. We see what happened. We see that, that our very first humans, that Adam and Eve, that they sinned. They rejected God. They rejected the image God created them in in order to form their own image. And that, that sin from the very first days of creation has come down generation after generation, country after country, city after city, till Door Hall, right here in St. Paul's, we all harbor that in our hearts. And so, we, we, you know, one of the ways that this happens is we actually um, reject the God who created us and we build for ourselves another God that we really like. You know, we talked earlier about um, the girl in that video who kind of created her own boss, or she thought all bosses were different. But think about the, um, the little girl who was talking about her mom. She had an idea of what mom should be, and so she created that image of mom in her mind. Why is mom here? Well, she's here to make me happy. Well, what would mom do? You know, what would you, what would you think if mom told you to do something? Oh, that wouldn't be very good. And so what we're very good at is creating our own images of God. And we do that because of our sin, because we've rejected the God who created us, and we're making our own image, and... Um, and so we want a God who approves of us um, seeking wealth at all costs, or who approves of us, um, you know, refusing to sacrifice ourselves for others or for our families. We want a God who approves everything that makes us happy, and we don't want this God who created us in his image um, who says very different things about himself. We don't want it, so we reject it. We make our own. Here's my question. How's that been going for you? How's that working out? Have you found satisfaction and approval in this God of your own image? Are you there? Are you searching, searching for the next thing, searching for the next dollar, searching for the next child that will finally make you happy? How's it going? What if we laid that down? I'm going to close out right now. What if we laid that down? And so we see in Genesis 3 that we have rebelled against God, but the God of Scripture, the God in whose images we're created, the God who has who's revealed himself to us, the God that we proclaim in the creed, this God is relentless. He is not satisfied with you making your own gods. He's not satisfied with you turning from him. He is relentless, so relentless that he sent the one true image of God, Jesus Christ, to walk on this earth, to die for you and for me.
And when we accept that, and when we receive that, and we, when we lay down our own creations and our own gods, when we lay them at Jesus' feet and submit to him, then we're made into the image God wants us to be. We're, we're transformed by the Holy Spirit. One day we will be there in glory. And when people look at that, if they, when they look at a church on their knees before the cross, then and only then will they see Jesus Christ. So how's that going to be for you this week? The one God, creator of heaven and earth, how's that going to be? How's that going to work out? Are you going to leave and, and make, make your own gods? I know I probably will, and I will repent of that. Or are you going to join me at the cross? And so when people look at us, they see the God of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are one one true God, God of heaven and earth. And we thank you that you have made us in your image and we repent of all the gods we are chasing after those futile gods when we come back to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would transform us through the power of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, and the work of your Holy Spirit. And we ask all of this in his holy name. Amen.